Seasonal Squad Squad is presented by the New York Lottery. The new Seasonal Scratch Off games from the New York Lottery are here with prizes up to $500,000. They're the perfect gift. Head to your nearest retailer and gift one today. You must be 18 years or older to purchase. Please gift responsibly. On this week's episode, we talk to CBS NFL analyst Charles Davis. He shares his thoughts on Josh Allen's growth, why he thinks Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are a great duo, and he discusses being one of the voices on Madden. All that and more on this week's episode. Get ready because Bill's Pod Squad starts right now. Welcome in the Bill's Pod Squad presented by the New York Lottery, a podcast that takes you all over the NFL. Maddie Glab and Bill's owner and president Kim Pagula here as your host today. We have CBS NFL analyst Charles Davis on with us to help preview matchup against the Colts and reflect on the Bills regular season. Kim, the regular season, it's over. Done with 13 and three, an amazing record to finish the regular season with, but the playoffs are now here. It's new season, the same mentality, but we're gonna face some different teams that we haven't seen. There's definitely an added oomph to the next few weeks. It's super wild card weekend as they're calling it and the Bills are set to face the Colts on Saturday at 105. We've got that first slated game to kick off the weekend of six games. You know, Sean McDermott likes routine and the same schedule, so I'm sure he maybe likes this one o'clock kick, but now thinking about it, we haven't really played one o'clock kicks in a while. I know our last game of the regular season against the Dolphins was one o'clock, but uh, that was far and few between for the last six weeks of the regular season. But speaking of schedule, how does your schedule change as an owner as we enter the playoffs? You know, uh, Maddie, listen, well, not only, yes, it's the one o'clock game, but it's on a Saturday. <laughs> so we get one last day of preparation. But this season, that's what the season has been about, right? Like we've had a lot of night games. We had games moved out of, you know, out of the days that we were supposed to play. Um, Primetime games, four o'clock games. So this has really been a season of a lot of change and adjustments. And we've done fairly well with them. So I would just expect us to continue on what we've been doing. As far as my schedule, um, it really doesn't change. Now, listen, we know that this game a little bit different. You've got fans coming back. So that is certainly um, something that I'm working through, you know, making sure that operationally we have get our fans tested, continuing the discussions with the state, making sure we're following the protocols, making sure we're getting everything ready for the game. Just like I said, having fans back. I mean, I know it's only 6,700 fans, but like there's still a lot of work to do to get those, uh, to get them back in. Um, so those are just really the different adjustments that, to my schedule. Uh, but like I said, it's a completely new season. But I think at the end of the day, you don't want to get too far away from, from who mm -hmm. you are as a team and changing up your routines, uh, trying to do more than feeling like you have to do more because it's playoffs. Um, I think there's a little bit of that, of course, but I also think just trying to keep it, focusing on what got you here and allowing that to really shine through, I think is going to be key to, this, uh, to the postseason. The word playoffs is a word that's, you know, common with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean since they've gotten to Buffalo. This is now their, going to be their third playoff appearance in their four seasons here. But one thing that's new is this is a home playoff game. You have not hosted a home playoff game since becoming the owner of the Buffalo Bills. So have you started, have you already been giddy about this matchup? I mean, it being a first for you as an owner, I know this season has been a season of a lot of firsts for many people, but 
this being the first home playoff game as a Buffalo Bills owner, I mean, what emotions come with that? What, what thoughts come with that? Yeah, you know, I think because we've been to, you know, Jacksonville, you know, with our first playoff, and then last year that heartbreaking loss uh, against the Texans. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is one of those, listen, we lost those playoff games. We've got an opportunity to be back in. And can we break through this year? And can we do it at home? And I think, yes, a lot of anxiety, a lot of, um, you know, just longing and, and wishing and excitement on top of that to be able to finally break through um, and do it at home. I think that is really special. And listen, you know, you know, I've got Twitter, you know, I've got Instagram. So, you know, you see what the excitement of having this home game means to this community and to this fan base. Um, and so even though I may have not been here, actually, I think I was here actually 24 years ago, but um, some of these fans, like this just means the world to them, the opportunity to, in their lifetime sometimes, like to be here at a game, make it part of their experience, part of their life. Um, it means a lot. And I think that's just, that's really what makes it special. Speaking of tying the playoff run that the Bills had in the 90s and the Super Bowl teams to this team, somebody that's going to be coming to Buffalo, who's a familiar face to a lot of fans, and you, Kim, is Frank Reich. He's someone who backed up Jim Kelly while he was a Buffalo Bill, and as Charles Davis talked about in this podcast, he knows how to come from behind and win a game, his most famous game being that uh, 32 deficit uh, win against the Houston Oilers. Man, that game is so exciting to relive. Um, he was able to bring the Bills back from being down 32 points and orchestrate a win in the postseason for the Bills. So he's coming to Buffalo for this weekend's game. I'm hoping he doesn't orchestrate a, a come-from-behind win like that because, in my mind, the Bills are, are heading on to the next round already. Of course, they've got to end the game with a W first, but he's someone that you guys have some ties to, Kim, so want to explain your ties to Frank Wright. Well, obviously, we knew who Frank Wright was. Uh, and, and back in, I can't remember what year it was, but when we were, Doug Marone had just left and we were in our first hiring process. And listen, we're new owners, never had to hire a coach before in, in football. Um, and it kind of, you know, as you remember, it kind of came at more of as a surprise. Um, and Frank actually was on our list, just a great man of principle, um, a good person, a good coach. Uh, I think, you know, many of us have talked about how sometimes, yes, he, he was, you know, he's orchestrated some great comebacks, but he was always kind of, you know, that backup number two quarterback. And sometimes some of the better coaches are, are the coaches that aren't that number one star, right? There's lots of, uh, lots of coaches um, across all the leagues, I think, that have not quite, you know, been the star as, a, as an athlete, but they've become great coaches. And then vice versa, it's the opposite, right? Like, there's not a whole lot of great yeah. Hall of Fame type of, of players in any of the sports that are great coaches, um, a few, very few. So I think, you know, he, then he went to uh, Philadelphia, correct? I think he went to Philadelphia. And I remember, and it's kind of funny now that you bring this back up, I remember when the whole Josh McDaniels, you know, opted back out and he was going to go to the Colts and then Frank ended up uh, getting that job. And I remember texting Carly Ursay, uh, the daughter of Jim Ursay, like, listen, you can't go wrong. Like, at the end of the day, you know, these things happen, but 
you can't go wrong with with Frank. I think you're going to be really surprised and happy that despite all the maybe the stuff that was happening and the disappointment of um, their previous hire not not actually coming like at the end of the day like you did pretty well regardless so i just i, I just forgot about that and thinking through that that happened and um for sure he has been a great coach for that organization um and i know that he's got a, a love for buffalo a lot of great memories here uh we talk about it often um but but not on not on saturday at not one o'clock <laughs> Yeah, they've definitely had a special season in Indianapolis and Frank Reich has orchestrated a lot of that being the head coach and I've got a chance to talk to him just interview him ask him one question at the NFL scouting combine and in that 20 second response that he gave me the nice personality the person that you talked about came across came across instantly so I think he's someone who can command a room but also someone who brings a very light spirit and presence to a room as well so it'll be a great matchup we talked about that with Charles Davis in the podcast but is your suite going to look any different this week are there going to be any added people is it going to be the same cast of characters because it's the postseason and maybe we we are a, a little bit uh have some suspicions want to keep it the exact same yeah. at all so yes you know if it isn't broke don't fix it cherry's got lucky socks that he's been wearing <laughs> for the last six games um he has washed them but it's just the same pair of socks i like uh, it i like wearing. the superstitious attitude over That's here <laughs> yeah, so the routine is going to stay the same um we're going to watch it in the same spot we're still under the the nfl protocols on right. top New York State ones. So, nope. Um, like I said, this is kind of phase two or season, as Coach has said, this is, you know, the next season uh, that we're going to be doing. So, we're going to try to keep that mentality of, of keeping the focus, doing the same things. This is one game, focusing on the game, and, you know, just uh, keep things as we've been doing it all season long. I like it. I like routine, especially when you head into the playoffs, into the postseason. I'm a little bit of a superstitious person. So if you can keep things the same, I'm all about doing that. But we've got to talk about a fan box that we have. We've wrapped up the regular season of fan boxes where players got to design their own t-shirts. We have this really cool AFC East Champions t-shirt. It features Josh Allen, Deion Dawkins, Stefan Diggs, Jordan Poyer and Tredavious White. The box includes two AFC championship koozies and a Bills playoff car flag. It's presented by Pepsi and it's available at BillsFanbox.com. The boxes will ship approximately one week after the wild card game. So unfortunately, you won't have them for that wild card game, but the proceeds benefit the Bills Foundation. Kim, this is a really cool looking shirt. It's kind of like got that airbrushed feel to it and has all of those players that I mentioned on it. So definitely go buy yours today. It will definitely be cool to rock maybe in the second round of the playoffs. Right, that's right. I, you know what, I, when I saw the t-shirt, I said, well, I'm glad they didn't have Josh and when he had the kind of the mustache going on <laughs> of the year. So I'm glad they gave him kind of just that clean look uh, versus some of the, the look he had earlier in the season. Yeah, that is a good point. I didn't even think about that, but all the players, they're looking great in that shirt. But anywho, let's send it over to our interview with CBS NFL analyst, Charles Davis. 
Charles Davis, welcome to Bill's Pod Squad. We are so happy to have you on as one of our guests to help us preview this Bills-Colts matchup and just talk everything Bills so far this season. They wrap up the regular season 13-3. and Such an exciting season for Bills Mafia, for fans, and I'm sure for people who have also called the Bills games as well. This is a fun team to watch. This is a fun team to get to work for. So, as you're preparing to call this Bills-Colts game and you've been watching some film, I'm sure, and have been keeping up with them all season, what's something that you didn't expect from the Bills this season that happened? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I think what I didn't expect was the pure, and first of all, hello, Maddie, hello, Kim, thanks for having me. This is a, it's quite an honor for a guy like me, trust me. And I grew up in mid-state New York, a place called New Paltz, New York. So it's great to be back in the Empire State. Believe me on that. My dad's still back there. But what I didn't expect, I think, was the pure offensive explosion. You know, I knew they were going to be better on offense. But this is crazy because every game you, fly, you pop it on and is it Josh Allen throwing the big shot downfield? Is it Josh Allen losing his legs? Is today Devin Singletary's day? Is it Zach Moss's day running the football? Was that Antonio Williams I saw against Miami? What? And then, of course, which receiver or multiple receivers have big days? And it's not just, you know, some teams, they get what is thrown, is what we like to say, meaning you throw it to the receiver, he catches it, he's down at that spot. With Buffalo, <laughs> you catch it. He keeps moving. You have to tackle him. That's extra yardage. That's bigger plays. I just think the sustained onslaught of offense is probably the, a little bit of a surprise. As I said before, you knew people were there, but the way they put it together under Brian Dayball's uh, direction, that's been a blast because we've seen them twice in person already. We saw you for the first New England game, and that was a big play on defense that clinched it. And then we saw the Hale-Murray pass, which no one saw coming in Arizona. So, but since that time, forget it. You guys have been lights out. You know, Charles, what I really enjoyed about that Miami game was that, you know, listen, we knew that Josh Allen was not going to play the whole game, right? And just wondering, and, and coach talked about just getting a feel for the game and understanding when to pull him and when not to. But he almost just like decided, you know what? We got to win the game. I got to put it away for our team in the first half because I know I'm going to get pulled. And he just goes out and just like, just did it, right? Like just. She nailed it in the coffin in that first half. Um, those touchdowns that, that he just seemed like he could just command. Like, it, it was just one of those games. It was a great end to a season where you just knew, like, this team is in control. Josh Allen is in control of this team. Um, and the coaching staff just, like, listen, we don't want any room for any negativity, any room for doubt. Like, this is who we are as a team. We're going to show you in the first half. And then the second half, you know, we're going to put the cherry on top. So it was yeah. a fun team to watch all season long. Kim, I get the sense that, you know, I've done a little bit of homework, and I know you're not a, a part, an owner that is up in the ivory tower not connected with your team. You know, I know you know this team, and they know you. It almost felt like you gave the pregame speech. <laughs> like, guys, let's get this thing taken care of and leave no doubt, you know? And I think you have to be extremely proud, and I'm pretty sure you are, the growth of Josh Allen, you know, as a quarterback, as a leader, improvement in play. I just had this discussion yesterday with another member of the national media, and I just said to, to this person, I said, you know, 
we have an adage about quarterbacks coming out in the draft that kind of what you see is what you get in terms of accuracy. It's hard to get more accurate in the NFL because the windows are tighter, the coverage is better, all those things. Yet he has put that on its ear. He has absolutely shattered that. This isn't just the great pickup that you guys made of Stephon Diggs, which was a monster pickup. This is Josh's work. This is Josh's improvement. This is Josh putting it all out there. And I've not seen a quarterback in my time frame. And I'm not saying this because we're doing a Buffalo Bills broadcast. I say this anywhere. Who's made that type of improvement? Accuracy, throwing the football from a guy that came out of college. And you know, what, what was all you heard before you drafted him? Oh, yeah. I don't know about his accuracy. <laughs> and now we have no discussion about that anymore. No, no, for sure. And listen, and I remind people, too, because uh, some of, you know, maybe not our core fans um, across the country who just are now tuning into the, into the bills and jumping on the bandwagon, that this didn't happen overnight, right? right. So I think there was a period of time where um, recently where, you know, you had that QB coming, you know, he was in the first round draft pick and then he went and played right away in his first year. And before that, it was like the season, you know, you sat on the bench yep. behind the starter, you learned and you spent time cultivating. Um, but then all of a sudden, all these quarterbacks just started right away, right? And yes. so we, we had that air, and I think it's just a good reminder that um, that time, that experience, that development is so key and important to getting that sustainable, you know, that we want that sustainable quarterback, uh, that sustainable franchise quarterback. Um, so I think it's important, too, to remember, like I said, Josh, tremendously from last year to this year, but there were, there were jumps in between. And I, yes. I think sometimes we forget that we see we see what he's been able to do this year and uh, the surprises that he's given everybody, but it has been a development um, over the course of, you know, several seasons and starts that he's had. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. that's really the key at the end of the day, getting those foundations down. Uh, so, so well but, said, so well said. And a lot of that goes with you. It goes with your, your you know, your leadership goes with Brandon Bean as a general manager, obviously Sean McDermott as a head coach in the coaching staff. And then, of course, the players themselves taking upon themselves to get better at everything they've done. Because what people always have to remember, and Maddie, you know this as well, there is a plan to put these things in place. Then you have to execute it. And everyone has to do their part, and everyone has to believe in the plan. And you can see that this crew believes in the plan. They put the time in. And just think, we had a pandemic prior to this season. Yet we still saw guys come back and make jumps and improvements, which meant that they found a way during a pandemic to work on their games, where other people might have let the pandemic just stop them right there. When you look at the Buffalo Bills, you see different people across the board who made leaps in their games. And to your point, Kim, everything hasn't been dramatic. It's a lot of it's been gradual and it's come together here in 2020, 2021. So how do you prep for a playoff game, a postseason? Uh, you know, that you maybe is a little bit different than what you do in the regular season. Um, how do you find those different storylines that haven't <laughs> been told already during the regular season? That's, That's a great true. question. This team has been through 16 <laughs> games already, and, and we talked to the guys about preparing for a playoff game, and we talked to T Kim about getting ready for a playoff game, and I know she's just as anxious as she's ever been for this game. So as someone who's helping call this game, What's different for you in it when we head to the postseason? Well, you guys, those are excellent questions, and, and it's something that you think about. And what I've come up with, and I've talked with my partner, Ian Eagle, about it, and we actually talked about it 
when we were in Cleveland last week, we had Cleveland Pittsburgh and we had Cleveland in a play and get in type of a game, you know? Um, okay. We're going to playoffs next week for a lot of us. Oh God, what changes? What's different? What's that? I think for us it's more of a down focus, meaning everything that's happened along the way is great background and, and, and fodder for what we're going to do. And it may pop up during the game, but I think people watching that day, they pretty much know the backgrounds of guys. They know how they got there in a sense. I'm not saying there's nothing to be told, but this, this is about the game, right? We, we are now at this point, playoffs, winner, winner goes on, loser goes home. Let's talk about the game, what's happening in front of us. And then depending on where the game takes us, if Buffalo jumps out to a big margin, you know, maybe we have more time with stories and things that go on. But if it's a tight game, I think we're really about the game and, and we'll take it from there. Speaking of the game, what do you see in this matchup? But you look at both of these teams and they are so balanced. The Colts have maybe been a little bit more balanced all season on defense. The Bills have definitely come on strong the second half of the season on defense. But I think the last couple of weeks, I, I look at Colts tape and I look at what they've been doing. Jonathan Taylor is going to be tough to stop. He put up Derrick Henry numbers in the final regular season game, but since the last couple of weeks, I want to say since week 12, this Bills defense has been allowing under 100 rushing yards a game. So the Bills defense could be catching a team that likes to run first at the perfect time. So when you're looking at game film, when you're looking at stats and things like that, what, what pops out about this matchup to you? Well, for me, when I see these types of matchups with a team that runs the ball as well as Indianapolis, with Jonathan Taylor getting hot now, he is now, I guess they're calling him Wisconsin Jonathan Taylor because that's what he looks like. He's back there at school again. He's got his full confidence. I always look at a defense as what I call their triangle. Two defensive tackles, middle linebacker, just to start things off and see what we have here. And when you look at Quentin Jefferson, Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, it's a pretty good triangle. OK, now that doesn't mean the rest of the guys don't get involved because they do. But most teams work from inside out. And Jonathan Taylor is going to want to run the ball inside before he gets to the perimeter and gets outside. So that triangle dealing with the front of the Colts. Now you're also dealing with a pro bowl center in Ryan Kelly, an all pro guard in Quentin Nelson and a run blocking guard in Mark Lewinsky. So you've got power versus power right there in that triangle. And that's going to be a lot of fun to see who controls that middle section of the, of the, of the field and the, and, and the line of scrimmage, because then you can now get Matt Milano, A.J. Klein involved, you know, when he comes onto the field to help you with the run defense. And, of course, you've got those safeties who tackle it in Hyde and Poyer. So this is going to be a lot of fun to watch and see how long Indianapolis wants to stay with it if they don't have success early running it. Because sometimes teams get away. Or is it going to be one of those days where they go, well, Let's stay with it because Frank Reich obviously knows Buffalo. He played there forever. But it looks like we got good weather on Sunday. So I don't think the passing game is going to be out of this at all. Frank Reich, listen, you know, he is one of the our community's favorite Bills, ex-Bills player. And he even was cheering us on, I know, uh, <laughs> on, on uh, the game um, yesterday. But, um, but he says he's not cheering for the Bills for <laughs> <laughs> game. But um, it is going to be such a great storyline there, having Frank come back and just happy for the success that, that he's had with the Colts. And, I mean, his whole NFL career in general, but for the Colts that he has. So it'll, it'll be a bittersweet. I know he's got lots of friends here 
obviously uh, Jim Kelly here and Thurman yeah. and some of those guys that he played with. Um, so it'll be an interesting matchup, um, even just from a coaching standpoint of, of how this game gets played out. Well, as great as Philip Rivers is at quarterback, I think that you and the rest of the Bills Mafia and, and, and fan, fandom will be very excited if you have a lead and know that Frank can't play quarterback. Yep. Because we know about <laughs> Frank's comeback. We know the comeback tendencies. And I'm wearing my Tennessee gear, and Maddie knows me from the University of Tennessee. I played against Frank in college Ooh. in the Sun Bowl, and we were ahead, Kim, 21 to nothing at the half against Maryland, and Frank brought him back and beat us 28-27. <laughs> so I know, and I've actually told Frank this, this, this story, and turns out his daughter is a psychologist. And he said, hey, if you need some sessions, I can get my daughter to help you out. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, Frank. I remember <laughs> being at the NFL scouting combine this past year, and that was probably one of the last things that happened before everything got shut down a couple weeks before everything got shut down and Charles I remember seeing you and saying hello to you there and I also stopped in on Frank Reich's press conference because I wanted to ask him what he thought about Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and he of course had some great things to say about Sean and Brandon and just the bills overall but I'm sure he would not be saying as many great things this week. I know in his press conference earlier this week, he said, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what Buffalo has done, but I'm not going to be cheering for them this week, of course. But thinking back to the NFL scouting combine and, and just what Sean and Brandon have built in Buffalo, and I know, Kim, we've talked about this. One of the words that was brought up was sustainability when these two came into town together. Charles, how have you seen them be sustainable in their decisions of who they draft and also how they've been able to develop players? That's something that isn't the easiest thing to do when you look back at a lot of their draft picks, even some of their fifth, sixth, and seventh round guys and see what you've been able to get out of them the last two years. I'm thinking of players like Daryl Johnson and Tommy Sweeney when he was playing last year, and Dawson Knox, and just what they've been able to, to give, you probably don't expect that unless you have a coach who can develop them. Oh, absolutely agree with that totally, and I think it's all tied in together. Kim, you and Terry with your ownership from the beginning, right? Okay, now you hire Brandon Bean as a GM, you hire Sean McDermott as a head coach, and it all has to work together. Okay, what's our plan? How are we going to execute it? And Maddie, what you brought up is so important because, okay, you draft Josh Allen at the top. We know what was supposed to happen there. You, you draft the quarterback. You've got to develop him. He's got to be your franchise guy. We get that. That part's easy. But you also have a Levi Wallace who's a walk-on at Alabama, turned himself into a player there. You see something there, and you continue to coach him, tune him, the whole deal. And he's starting ahead of a guy who at one point was an all-pro in this league in Josh Norman and gives you good play. A John Feliciano, not a lot of people talk about it, but what he brings you when he's healthy and knocking people off the ball and that attitude, and then, oh, yeah, a guy gets hurt, he moves over to center seamlessly and takes care of business for you there. Ike Butker, people were saying, well, I don't know about this guy. I mean, who the heck is – and now Ike Butker's become a mainstay for you because Cody Ford's been gone. So that's just, a, you know, just showing all the way through, seeing guys because with salary cap, who has to get paid, 
You have to be able to have evaluation of players at all spots. And as you guys both pointed out, how do you develop them? Because you can't pay everybody everything. So certain money is going to go somewhere. What are you going to do with the rest of them? And then, of course, you have to have not just nerve to make the trade you guys made for Stephon Diggs, but conviction. That means you did your homework. See, because you guys know, national media, what was said when you made the trade for Stephon Diggs? Yeah. And oh, boy. Yeah. Are we yeah. sure? Yeah. This guy, is, is, he really, is he really a number one? Is he a WR1? Is he a malcontent, right? Is he a diva? Is he this? That tells me you did your homework because you guys did a deep dive before you made the move to satisfy yourselves about who you thought Stefan Diggs was as a person, character-wise, what he would be like with a team, what he would do. Now, 127 catches later, everybody wants to take credit for it. But the bottom line is you guys did it, and anyone goes back and remembers that time frame and pulls up the tape, there's a lot of questions about this move, and it was a big-time move, and now look where you are today. Well, yeah, Kim's talked about that before, Kim. I remember us kind of rehashing the trade, and the first thing you said was, well, we just gave up a first-rounder for Stefan Diggs, so he better play out the way that uh, <laughs> we just traded away a pick for him. Yeah. But you know what? It also goes back to I, you know, the work that, that, that Brandon and his scouting team and coach did on him as a player, but it also goes to the work that they've done with the foundation of the team, knowing that whatever the rumors, whether or not they were true or not, like, listen, you know, we've got room to wiggle if we need to, because we know that he's going to have the support. He's going to have the, the right environment around him. He's going to have the right teachers around him um, and the right teammates that whatever, whatever we do end up getting, we're going to be able to get something out of him. So um, I think that, like I said, it's not, wasn't just about him as a person, but it was also about where we were as a team and how we could then elevate him um, no matter, you know, what, what situation that, that he was, he was in when he came with the, uh, to us. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, it's understanding your team, it's understanding your culture, it's understanding your, you know, as you said, what personalities you can take on if you need to, but by all accounts, it's been, I mean, you hate to say seamless because there's nothing's as seamless as it always seems, but he came in, got right with the quarterback. Here's how we can work together. This is what we're going to do. You know, room for other people to make plays. A Cole Beasley, who's always been a good player, but never given maybe a little bit more of a chance to, you know what he told us earlier this year, Kim and Maddie, we got a chance to talk to him before one of the games. And he told us that he never had the freedom to run routes the way he can run them in Buffalo, in Dallas. And he wasn't saying it as a, a shot back at Dallas. It was just the way their offense was constructed. You know, like if you, if you went up to the board and said, okay, I want you to run this at 15 and you cut it here, it needed to be run that way. But Cole is cerebral. Yeah. And he feels defenses and he feels openings. And so with a little bit more freedom, well, maybe the move is at 13, not 15. And Josh can read that, and you've seen the results of that. And, and so it's things of that nature to be able to have that, a structure in place, but as you noted, Kim, a little bit of fluidity in it in order to bring out the best in all. And now we're talking 13-3, and three, AFC East champs. And I'll, and I'll stop here for the next question, but that New England game, the first one, was so monstrous that 
I remember you guys were trying to just play it down as best you could. <laughs> I mean, everybody we talked to, oh, hey, oh, you know, Brandon <laughs> Beans. But it was low-key hey. Patriots week in, in right? the building. It's always like everybody's on high alert for Patriots week, let me tell you. But Brandon said, hey, hey, hey. We haven't beat them yet. Our crew, we're 0-6. So let's not talk about this, this, and this. And I thought it was a game where you were clearly better, but it was so important that there was a tightness that happened in that game. And when Justin Zimmer made the play at the end and popped it free from Cam Newton, we're we're done with that. We did it. And now we know we can do it again when we need to. And off you went. And I thought that that was a big loosen, loosener for you in this season right. and helped propel you to 13-3. and three. You still had oh. some bumps, don't get me wrong. But at that point, okay, let's get this Patriot thing done with. And you did it, and it was a big, big deal. Well, and I think that Arizona game, too, was a big step for us. You know, losing at that last second on the hill, Murray, as you call it, um, you know, it's just – it. but it's those are the things that – you kind of can, a team can go one way or the other. And the response that our team has had, um, not letting it get too high or too low for them at, at that point, just continuing what they, they know what they're supposed to do. Um, and you saw the results of that. And I think maybe in some, I, I know that we've had past teams where something like that happens and, you know, you end up going on a two, three game losing streak, trying to get it back together again. So I think that was another uh, learning experience, I think, for our team to get through that type of a loss um, and continue forward and even and getting better even um, as, as the season went along. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's, and it's been a fun progression. It's been, you guys have, I'm not gonna say you've mirrored the season. In a lot of ways, you've set the pace for this season because this is an NFL season. And you know, I know I'm at CBS, so I'm quoting the Masters thing, unlike any other, <laughs> right? And there've been more touchdowns scored. There's been more scoring, more road teams have won games. Now, part of that has been because of the pandemic and maybe the stadiums aren't full for people, but we've seen the road teams go out there and get it done. It's just been a different type of a feel for a season. But as crazy as it's been, there have been so many fun moments, and you guys have centered in on a lot of those fun moments, and we've seen that rise. I looked it up last night. 14 teams now for the first time ever in the playoffs, right, because of seven in each. Seven are brand new teams from last year. We always have about four. We got seven this year. This is a wild season. Do you, do you like this new playoff format where we've got three three games on Saturday, three on Sunday? You know, is it one bye week? Just <laughs> you you know, Kim. I I'm one of those old traditionalist type people. I love the playoff system at six each. I thought it was the most perfect playoff system in professional sports. But now that I'm looking at three on Saturday, three on Sunday, I'm like, well, you know, that's not so bad either. I'm kind of liking that. You know, I hate the fact that, you know, the top two don't get the open weeks because I think you've earned that with what you've done. But how crazy is it that you've got teams who have won 10 or more games that are not even making the playoffs? And that's in a seven team deal because we always talked about it with six that that anomaly would happen Mm -hmm. a little bit more. And we didn't, I don't think we thought it would happen at seven. It did. I mean, they're going home. And anyway, we won 11. What? You don't see that. And, and I think that that's been nice for the league, truthfully. I think that that helps solidify why you went to seven in each, in each side. I, again, the top two teams, I really wish they could both get the open week and you would be able to sit at home. But, hey, being there, chance to have a home game, off you go. 
Yeah, I was hoping we'd just get one extra day and have a Sunday game, but we didn't even get that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and with the COVID going on, that's been the tough thing for a number of teams because some teams, because they got Saturday, may not get guys back, and other teams, because they got Sunday, they get them back in under the wire. Yep. And it was all just luck of the draw about who got what game on Saturday or Sunday. I will tell you, it was luck because I was pleading and pleading with the league for a Sunday game. Sunday. Sunday got night. Got nothing. So I, I, you're right. It's got to be luck of the draw because I don't know that anyone asked for a Sunday game more than I did. I'll bet. Let me ask you, I'm not asking for secrets to be revealed because, you know, what you talk about with the league is between you and the league. But I'm getting the sense that part of what they were telling you is it's a compliment to be that first game out of the gate. That, 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 you're, that you're a feature game, a feature team, someone that the country's want, you know, eager to see. And right out of the gate, here you go. The playoffs start and the Buffalo Bills are the feature team. I mean, I, I think there's probably something to that and what they're talking about. I don't know if I'm right or not, but it certainly feels that way. They never give me a reason why, Carl. <laughs> they, <just tell> <laughs> they, well, they just say, hey, this is your time slot. So I like, I'm going to go with your reasoning though. I'm going to go sounds with good. That sounds really good, but they should give you a reason. I mean, you, you, you do own the team for God's sake. It's a good mindset to be in as we are that first slotted game on Saturday, but Charles, I want to switch gears a little bit. Looking back on your career and where you've been and, and what sports you've covered, it seems like you've done it all from CBS Now, NFL Network things, Madden, NFL Series, Fox Sports, TBS, ESPN, the Golf Channel, starting at Fox Sports Sun uh, when it was Sun Sports when you were first there. Did you know you wanted to get into broadcasting or is this something that kind of fell into your lap? I know we both got somewhat of a start at the same place. Uh, you, you worked with uh, several Tennessee people uh, getting your start calling games, uh, being a color commentator for Tennessee football. That's where I got my first start on radio too, being the sideline reporter for the Tennessee football team on their radio station. I know you got to work with John Ward, who is one of the best people to call football games in this world. Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate that way. And you're right, Maddie, we were both influenced by a lot of the same people and if not the same people, the same culture, you know, that, that it was passed down through the ranks. The people that you work for at the University of Tennessee, the Barry Rice's, the Link Hudson's, we went to school together. We were classmates, you know, and for me to be able to still see them there and, and carrying on the line. And as you mentioned, John Ward, you know, Mr. Ward was the voice of the Vols, Kim, and he was the voice of Vols for about 30 years. And when you're the voice of a college football team in a college program, you have certain phrases and idiosyncrasies that all your fans can quote. And we could go on all day about Mr. Ward, but he helped give me my start in all of this. But I, I always wanted to be one, but I never thought I would be. I mean, I was working for a living right out of college after I didn't make it in the NFL. And then I just kind of fell into it by a fluke. Uh, people like Mr. Ward helped me and a whole bunch of others. I, I won't take all of our show time to name them but they gave me opportunities and that's why I worked a number of sports. And my father, Kim, is a, a retired high school teacher, coach. He coached college basketball, high school basketball. I actually played for him in high school, all of those things. And for a while, as I was working my way through, I think you'll get a kick out of this as a, as a owner and as a mom, as you watch your kids go through, I was always doing something different. Hey, I'm with this network. Hey, I'm doing it with that network. I'm over here. And finally, my dad called me and he said, hey, man, can you hold a job? 
<laughs> is, is there something that you're not doing? And I said, no, dad, it's just kind of how it works. You know, when there's opportunity, you go and you take it. Because he thought that each place I did a game for, that's where I should be like doing all my games for. So he thought maybe people just didn't want to keep me around. <laughs> and he thought maybe I was doing something wrong. And I was like, I get it because as a parent, you want stability for your kids. You want to see them hit something, do it right, and go on. But as Maddie, Maddie knows very well, you go where opportunity is. And I'll be frank, any sport they asked, I said I could do it. And if I didn't know the sport, I worked on it before I got there. Volleyball, yes. You know, tiddlywinks, yes. Checkers, got it. You name it, I'm in. And then I'd go and find that sport for dummies and work my way through it and try and give a good account, but I didn't want to miss any opportunities for reps. Well, you have two kids. Um, do either one of them, uh, are, are they involved in sports and do they want to follow in your footsteps? My daughter, our daughter who is uh, 27, no. Her favorite expression is, mom, dad, I'm, I'm a non-sporty kid in a sporty family. You're just gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> and she's okay. done some stuff. She actually interned for NBC during the Olympics in London. But it's just sports, just not her thing. And our son just graduated from Rollins College, but he's a, he was a Division II basketball there, Division II. He played basketball there. And I think that he will want to do something in sports. Maddie helped train him in, on an internship at the University of Tennessee. <laughs> but I don't think he wants to do what I do. I think if he's going to do something, he'll be behind the camera if indeed he stays in it that way. But it won't be in front. I doubt that. Well, I, I tell people all the time, my oldest daughter, or, or Terry and I, our oldest daughter is a professional tennis player. I tell people all the time, and I'm sure this is why you've been successful, is what sports brings to a person, the, the lessons, the life lessons that you learn, the intangible aspects of, of just being an athlete um, prepares you for so many things in life. Like you said, even if you didn't know it, yeah, you know, you're gonna figure it out because as an athlete, you had to figure out a lot of things on your own, uh, whether it was managing your, your body, the, the mental part of the game, the playbooks, um, even school and athletics, right? So um, yeah. I think you being a player um, early on, I think that has helped, you know, even though you didn't you know, have a, a longstanding career uh, in the NFL, but certainly that this is another way that football prepared you for sure um, in what you're doing right now. Yeah, you're right about that. And I think that you've seen that in your, your days when you're hiring people, right? If they've had a sports background, a good number of them, and of course, nothing's 100%. We're all, we're all individuals. But time management, working to get a job to, to completion, because you know that's what they're used to doing, not accepting failure or learning from failure, and then now getting better in the next thing. All those things go into it. So when you get a, a former athlete that is serious about doing the next thing, now, some former athletes, it's hard. And I found in a lot of ways, the better they were, the harder it is for that. Because they're used to being top of the food chain. And what do you mean I got to go do what, what, what? And I'm not saying they all won't do that. But it's harder because they're used to a certain lifestyle, a certain status. I was just a guy. Yeah. So for me, starting <laughs> wherever, fine, let's go do it. But there is a certain aspect to it about fighting through things, all those that come to the front as an athlete. And with your daughter as a tennis player, just think about her on the road, yeah. having to get you from know, place You know where she place. is right now? Where? She's in Abu Dhabi right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. That, that's where her tournament is. That's and so cool. she left. Yeah, she left on New Year's Day to go to Abu Dhabi. 
and she has to play this the number two seed in the first match. Right out of the gate. You fly all the way to Abu Dhabi. You get there, you're there for a couple of days acclimating, the draw comes out, and you're like, dang, I gotta play the second seed in my first round match. And she hasn't played a tennis match since because of COVID. There have been far COVID. between. I don't think she has she hasn't played a tennis match since like maybe early December and November. <laughs> so See, gotta figure it out though, right? But there's not a doubt in her mind going over there. Okay, yeah. fine. Number two yeah. seed. Let's go take them out. Yeah. That's what. That's how athletes think. That's how we think in business. You know, it doesn't matter what your job is. That mentality is all the same. We're going to get it done. We're going to win this one. We're going to fight our way through that. We're going to solve that. We're going to make this better. And that's where it all crashes together. So she's like, okay, I'm fine to go to Abu Dhabi. I don't care if you send the number two seed. Let's go actually- play. I was actually upset because I always wanted to go to Abu Dhabi. I was like, dang it. Like, <laughs> what about mom? But you got a few, you got a few, you got a few things. You got a playoff to game. I know, I know. Yeah. Here right now. So yeah. maybe another time, but maybe, another time. maybe not right now. That's all. Charles, I, I got to ask you about a really cool opportunity that you've been able to be a part of, and that's being an analyst for Madden. I mean, <laughs> that's got to be something so cool. You talk about all these stops that you've had and just the broadcasting career, and, and you're here, and you're there, and you're everywhere, and, and this network asks you to help out, and that network asks you to help out. But to be able to help out with an EA Sports game, that is something that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to, to do, and just how big um the gaming world and industry is right now whether it's sports or not sports i I mean how did that opportunity come to you and how how does that happen because you're playing madden and you could play so many different games and and here you are analyzing the players that had to take probably a long time to study and to film so how did that opportunity happen and how did it come together when you guys were filming yeah, that's a good one, Maddie. About six years, it was a little more than six years ago. They, the guys who were doing the game, the voices for the game, are some recognizable people. Jim Nance and Phil Sims, who are now colleagues of mine at CBS, my first year at CBS. Who knew, right? But they were, they were ready to go on to do something else. They had done it X number of years. You know, they were ready to not do it anymore. So Madden had decided they were going to go in another, another direction, as we always say. And I got called about what I would be interested in interviewing. And I did. And then would you be interested in auditioning? I would. And I did. And they brought me back for a second audition. And I worked with the, the person who's my current partner. His name is Brandon Gordon. And Brandon now does games for Fox, Westwood One, Big Ten Network, the whole deal. I'm old enough to be his dad. <laughs> but we managed to, He keeps me young, so it helps out a lot. But we daddy could be my daughter. Kind of right? <laughs> <laughs> but we're in our He's sixth year, now, which is which is crazy. We're in our sixth year doing it, and we have obviously we have plenty of help because we have some people who do writing for us, which is the script. And the beauty of the script is most of it is concepts. All right, we know the things we have to get into the game, and you guys know what makes a football game authentic. So you have to get you have to cover all of those things, and because it has John Madden's name on it, if it's not authentic, he's not gonna go for it at all and they still coordinate a lot of stuff through coach madden they take him all the new game stuff all the concepts and if it's not right it goes out the window so we have to do all those things but okay today we're going to talk about touchdown runs over 30 yards 
And then we, they set it all up. It's going to be second and seven, whatever. Brandon does the thing. I do the call. But there's no video involved in when we're doing it. He's in one seat. I'm in the other before the pandemic. And we just look at each other. We knew the concept. He would call it. I would give my thing. If we liked it, we kept. If we didn't like it, we did it again. And you have to cover all of them. First and 10, second and nine, third and eight, fourth. I mean, and you've got to go through all those things. So there's some tedium to it, but in what world is there not some tedium to anything you do? And every time you start to lose your energy or zest, you run into someone that goes, you work on the Madden, that is so cool. <laughs> and I never got street cred for anything I did from my son until I got the Madden gig. The first well, time I got the Madden gig, then I got street cred. And I was halfway cool at that point. Only, only a little bit, Charles. Just a little bit. Just <laughs> yeah. a little bit. And well, the first thing he said was, make sure you put a lot of stuff in there so that when the game plays, I won't know what you're going to say every time. Okay? All right. Got it. Kid. Well, I have a huge favor then. What do you need? I, I, don't, I don't know if you have any pull at all at Madden, but you heard it here first. Getting my vote in for Josh Allen on the cover of next year. Cover for Madden next year. I love that. I, I will tell you this, Kim, after this conversation, as soon as we're done, I'm going to call my bosses at Madden and tell them that the Thank first you. vote has come from the owner of the Buffalo Bills for Josh Allen to be on that cover. That would be really cool. Right. That, that would be awesome to see, you know, we in Buffalo, you know, sometimes we haven't gotten all the national attention that sometimes we think we need, but certainly having uh, our QB being on the cover of Madden, like that's, that's another level. Like you said, the coolness factor, it just goes way up. So I'm all in for it. And anything you can do to, to get well, us we, on that vote. I will definitely pass this along. And one of the things and you know, I don't get to pick any of this stuff, but one of the things that you brought up was the coolness factor. Josh fits perfectly in terms of that, about where he is and how he plays the game. His style of play, his ability to throw it and run it, you know, his backstory, Everything that goes along with it, what has happened this year, because Maddie's got the, the, the 17 over her shoulder, and to see how things resonate, and then how the Buffalo fans and other fans get involved with the Buffalo community, because I came in with uh, my previous network for the Andy Dalton preseason game. After, you know, he threw the touchdown, and you guys went to the playoffs, and everybody supported his cause. And that was pretty cool, right? Yeah. That this year we have Josh's grandmother, and everybody supports the cause. And then you help Indianapolis get into the playoffs. And the Indianapolis community, they're throwing 17s at you. So it's just fun to see how it all ties in. So I will be making that call on your right. behalf to give them the first, first vote for next year. Thank you. Appreciate I it. I love it. You heard it here first on this podcast, Maddie. Got it. You know what you get here. Amazing, amazing. Charles, thank you so much for taking the time to be on with us. So great to talk about the Bills and the Colts with you and just to hear about your path into the industry and what you've been up to because you certainly have an amazing career to talk about with how many stops you've had, how many different people you've gotten to work with, and some awesome football that you've been able to watch in your time in the NFL. Yeah, I've been really fortunate, haven't I? Absolutely. Thank you both for having me on. It's been quite the honor. Looking forward to getting to Western New York one more time for a playoff game. This is going to be a blast. And it's going to be a heck of a game. These are two really good teams. I don't care what the, the seeding numbers say. These are two really good teams, and this is going to be fun. Oh, great. I will see you. I'm, I watched the game just a few uh, rooms uh, beyond where you're going to be 
in the broadcast booth. So I will come in and make sure that I say hello to you in person. Oh, forward, we, are, we still look forward to that. Thank you. It'd be an honor to meet you in person. Can't wait. Continued success to you and the Bills. Maddie, continued success to you as well. And thanks again for having me on. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Happy New Year. Bye. Happy New Year. The Buffalo Bills are proud to partner with National Grid in promoting the Safety First initiative where every time a Bills safety makes a tackle at home, National Grid will donate $50 to the 100 Club of Buffalo in support of first responders and their families. National Grid reminds you to put safety first in your home with this easy tip. Make sure to keep all the outside vents to your home clear of snow and debris. All right, Kim, we've got another Ask the Owner segment. It's brought to you by Pepsi. They're also this week's game sponsor. Pepsi is the official soft drink of the Buffalo Bills. I pulled one question. It's got to do with baking. One of our fans, several of our fans, actually three people wanted to know. So three people want to know if you're going to be baking cookies on Saturday and what type of cookies you will be baking. Yeah, you know, like you said, you've got to keep the routine going. Don't want to jinx, don't want the mojo to, to stop. So, of course, I am going to be baking something. I don't know what yet, though. I, yeah. I'm conflicted. I am conflicted of, like, okay, i got to up my game for, for the playoffs. But then, like, well, no, no, let's just, you know, kind of let's keep, keep it simple. Um, so I do not know yet. And then I, I have one less day to prepare, too. So... It's already Tuesday. I, I got to get on it. So you got to get on the website no. to look at all those recipes or your filing cabinet or wherever you keep all your recipes. I'm sure you have several, as we've talked about before, that you can go through and pick from uh, with all the types of cookies that you've baked before. I know. I'm trying to think. Okay, we haven't had a home playoff game in 25 years, so I got to put out something that's like I haven't done all season long. So I feel like I've got to I got to up my game. Yeah, I just, I, but I don't, I, right now, I just haven't had the time to kind of really focus on that. Maybe tonight when I go home. Uh, and I also, or several of our, or if anyone has any suggestions, they can, Ooh. Uh, yeah, uh, tweet at me and that's me good. Know. You'll have to post that on Twitter tonight. I think when this podcast should come out in a couple of days. So maybe you'll already have your cookie by then. So, or a cookie idea of what you want to bake by then. So you should definitely post on Twitter, see what our fans say. They may have some good ideas. But another thing that you've got to decide is all of our players will probably be walking into the game with their game day fit, their cool get up for a home playoff game. Some may take it to the next level and get a little bit more dressed up. Are you going to take it to the next level? I feel like this year we've all dressed down quite a bit because of COVID and because there's no fans. I mean, I usually just wear black pants and a nice shirt to games where last season I was pulling out dresses and skirts. And, you know, you try and look really good for game day because it's like you want to put on your Sunday best. So are you going to take it to the next level? In, in what you choose to wear your ensemble on Saturday. I, you know, I was really tossing around the idea of maybe wearing the new Bill's Mafia Benny the Butcher hoodie. Oh, so, I but, love it. But, you know, so I, I know they've been flying off the shelves um, like hotcakes uh, with him dropping his video. And, you know, mm -hmm. I kind of want to give him a shout out because that idea came from this podcast, Maddie. It did. So, we are very, very useful. We, you know, we a lot of things have started. We're hoping that maybe we can even get that Josh Allen Madden cover. So 
a lot of things happen on this show. But, um, but no, you know, I don't want to break the whole, like I said, routine thing. So I do know I got, I got it from a very good source that we're going to be wearing the blue jerseys and the white pants. So I will have to go back in and figure out what that, that combination actually looks like. Um, and then with the weather, I know, and, and, you know, with playoffs in our weather in January, you got to wear the coat. So sometimes you can't even see yeah. the whole outfit, but it doesn't matter. It's just kind of what my mental routine is going to be. So blue on top, white on the bottoms. And uh, I've, yeah, I'm going to start going through a closet. May have already ordered a couple of things Ooh. that are coming just to try and see, just, you know, just to get something new. Um, so, but we'll have to see. At least I'm, ex I'm excited right? to see it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or I'll, I mean, I was dressing up for Brandon and Joe and my <laughs> husband, which, you know, they could, I, if you asked them, hey, what was Kim wearing last week? They would be like, <laughs> they would have oh, no idea. Right? They would have no clue. So it'll be nice to say that at least when I'm dressing uh, for the game this week that other people will see me besides those three. <laughs> so we just had an interview with Charles where he did a great job previewing the matchup in the Bills season. So what are some of your first thoughts about this game? I mean, like I said, these are two very balanced teams. They have a rookie running back that has been popping off. He rushed for 250 yards or more than 250 yards in that final regular season game. He's had seven touchdowns over the last six weeks, I want to say. Something pretty crazy. It's, it's not um, weird to look at his stat line and see two touchdowns a game. Uh, as of late, as of the last six weeks or so. They also have a great compliment in Hines. They have T.Y. Hilton, and you can't forget about the veteran in Phillip Rivers. So it's going to be an intense matchup. I think this is, we haven't seen games come down to the wire the last couple of weeks, but I think this one could come down to the wire because you have two really talented teams with what they can offer. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And then you've got one team, like you mentioned, about a great running game. We've got a great passing game, you know, and how those match up against each other. Um, I do think that, again, two really strong coaches. You're not going to see a lot of coaching mistakes, you know, in, in game. Um, I don't think that you're going to get um, a lot of blowout plays. Um, it's just going to be a lot of – you're going to get a, two disciplined teams, so it's not – hopefully – but I don't think I'm not expecting a lot of penalties for lost yardage. That's going to really define the game. Uh, the weather is not a factor. I mean, like you said, this is actually a pretty well mashed up team in terms of the balance that you talk about in all the three phases that, uh, you know, we have been getting so much better in um, and consistent. And so, yeah, I, I would agree that this is going to be a little bit of a matchup. The details are going to be important, you know, just, um, it really is. I know Sean and I'm, I'm sure, you know, Frank Reich is also a very detailed person, but I just feel like those little mistakes, the details, those things are really going to be uh, what's going to keep you in the game and give you that double W at the end of the day with, uh, with this matchup. Yeah, take care of the football. It could be a case of whoever has the ball at the end of the game is going to be the winner in this one because I can see it going back and forth for sure. But 
We are just one of six other games of five other games, six total that are going to be on TV on Saturday and Sunday. Just an awesome slate. So after our game, are you heading straight home to watch all the football uh, to finish off your Saturday evening and all day on Sunday? Yeah, uh, definitely. I probably actually won't go home. I'll probably just come back to the office and watch the game there. Terry and I will probably watch the game in his office. Um, just to, like you said, see what those matchups are going to be. Um, hopefully be scouting, you know, what the other team uh, teams are doing. Listen, there's been some great playoff games and, you know, coach talks about it. This is a different season. This isn't the regular season. Um, play gets elevated. Uh, just the games all get elevated. So, you know, even, like I said, any of these six games are going to be fun to watch uh, for a football fan. And so I'm, I'm certainly going to be watching all of them. And then finally, Kim, I mean, it's the end of the season for some teams who aren't in the playoffs and they're starting their head coach search or their GM search. When you see teams looking around and even teams that have maybe requested some interviews with Brian Dayball. Um, how nice is it, though, to not be a team that's looking around for a head coach or a GM? Instead, you guys are preparing for the playoffs. Yeah, no, it, it, it is so nice to know that even just not even having to uh, go into another head coaching search, but knowing we have our guy for multiple years like i don't we don't have to do this for many years uh, so no it, listen that whole search process it's it's not easy and there's no you know there's nothing that says that you know what you've got and that you made the right decision even when we hired brandon and sean it's not a given that we would knew that it was we were going to end up you know in this position uh when we did that hiring process so it's it's a lot of mental fatigue um, a lot of discussions, logistics, um, and it's such a big decision on your organization. Uh, so I do not envy anyone <laughs> that is going through that right now and glad that we are not on that coaching um, cycle that, you know, many of our teams and that we honestly, that we, you know, used to be on um, as an organization. I am interested though to know who they end up hiring because as we know, the Jets have an open spot. How does that affect our division? We saw that with Brian Flores uh, in Miami. You know, just you know, don't know yet how that you know ends up being. But he has certainly proven to be a really good coach, and I think Miami's happy that they hired him. And but he, you know, like I said, he can make our our life uh, a little bit more anxious during the season within our division. And so having the Jets having to open and anxious to see where people go, who, what other teams hire. Who and like you said, what what teams want our coaches? <laughs> That's gonna be a big question mark. Yeah, we hope all of our coordinators are in Buffalo for next season, but we'll see how that plays out because uh, Brian Dayball is definitely a hot candidate right now. But we hope that we're playing for several weeks to come. We hope we aren't talking about the off season next week or the week after. We hope we're talking about the playoffs for a while here and then hopefully making it all the way. That would be awesome. An awesome way to finish the season. Just a special season that the Bills have had so far and hopefully we'll continue to have. But Kim, thanks for being my co-host. As always, another great podcast with Charles Davis. So many insightful responses from him. Yeah, what a, what a great guy. Just enjoyed the whole conversation with him. Looking forward to meeting him in person, uh, calling the game and 
Maddie, let's keep this rolling, you know, just keep winning. We can keep having podcasts. Like, you know, I, there's a lot of things on the line here that coach probably is not even thinking about. I know, but right? As an effect on people like us, keeping this podcast going. So let's keep go going. Keep getting wins. Go Bills, definitely. To our listeners, thanks for listening and watching Bills Pod Squad presented by New York Lottery. We will be back with more guests and more awesome content. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later.